2: as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode number 1067. We have one of our most long-standing FDH Lounge dignitaries back on with us today, Doing what we usually do somewhere around this time of year, taking a look at the early season NHL landscape. So it is, of course, our good friend, FDH Lounge Dignitary and Sportsology Proprietor, Russ Cohen, coming back on the show here. You can catch him, of course, on SiriusXM, talking hockey prospects every weekend on that great show. And uh, joining the uh, NHL Sirius channel uh, in between, talking other topics as well as the uh, the prospects and whatnot, but uh, today we're just taking kind of a general look around the NHL landscape, a little bit into the season here, about a month out from the Winter Classic, which Russ is always at and has famously written about as one of his uh, many hockey books. So, Russ, good to have you back on, my man. Uh, how's things going for you these days? Pretty good,
1: Rick. Enjoying it. Like you said, Hockey Prospect Radio is in full swing, so that's fun, and The Winter Classics are coming up, so that's fun. World Juniors, uh, you know, in between of that. So it's a great time of the year. This year I won't be at the World Juniors, but I've been at a lot of them. But I will be at the Winter Classics, so I have to uh, figure out how I'm going to do it. I may drive, because I hear that the South Bend Airport is kind of like a pain. So driving may work.
0: It is, but I will tell you from experience, because my brother went to Notre Dame, that's like a mini version of Kansas when you are driving past Toledo to get out there. I mean it is just endless and endless and endless. So I've been to Toledo
1: once okay. in my life. All right. And I'm not looking forward to going <laughs> through there again, but
2: <laughs>
1: I've been there. I actually we went to that Cedar Point um uh, park but I didn't ride the uh the big um roller coaster, I was afraid. Cedar I Point, it.
0: yeah, I'm not a coaster guy myself. Uh, Cedar Point I mean, is, I
1: am to some degree, but this was like upside down, all around.
0: It was too much. I'm actually not. Good old Ricky's kind of a jj when it comes to riding those things because <laughs> of my issue with heights. So, you know, yeah, that uh, problems with heights and roller coasters do not go hand in hand. But uh, yeah, Cedar Point is an outstanding park all the way around. But yeah, you there's And you're right, there's not much to recommend Toledo, it's not nice for me to say, but I'll say it, but uh, yeah, you get beyond that, and it's a long drive to get to South Bend, let me tell you, but my brother was at the uh, Notre Dame-Michigan game, and that was when he found out about the Winter Classic, and he texted me from there, oh, you should come up here, whatever, and I texted him back, I'm like, it's Chicago and Boston, two teams I hate, who am I going to root for in that game, like... Why would I bother, you know? I mean, that's... Yeah. I I just... It it is going to be an interesting experience, and it's going to be classic. I think somewhat akin... To when the hockey classic uh, or the winter classic, rather, came to the big house a couple of years ago, and yeah. you, you look at some I think of it. will be similar to that. Yes, I think it's it's really going to be kind of a, a magical kind of a thing. You have an excellent chance of getting some snow on New Year's Day, right about here in, in in the Midwest. I mean, they're right about level with where I'm sitting on America's North Coast, so the chances of getting snow are always pretty good. Uh, there've been some other venues for the years to come that have come up recently as far as being speculated, uh, not least of which uh, good old Ohio Stadium, which uh, I can tell you as somebody who goes there just about every year, uh, it's not going to be the same electricity that it is for Ohio State football, but it would still be something pretty sweet to see there. So that's potentially on the list in the next couple of years uh, for the league. What are some of the ones that you think they may be coming to in the years to come?
1: Well, I do like the idea of the Ohio State one. I mean, I have driven through there once and – saw the stadium and that city that they call a school and,
2: and you
1: think that that would, um, that would be fun. I, I kind of, you know, I'm thinking Jerry's world down in Dallas.
0: Wow. That yeah. would be good. Uh-huh.
1: Because, you know, you don't have to worry about the heat so much then. I mean, that's, that's a, that's a good thing. I think they can get that place going for it. And cause is that one full dome or is it partial? I can't remember.
0: I think it's retractable. The issue, That's what I
1: think, too.
0: So yeah, yeah the, the issue with that would be you don't have a lot of lag time between. You're, you're looking at the Cotton Bowl always being right around that period of time. The fact that they've moved the rest of the New Year's Six games off of December 31st, except for years when it would fall on that and it wouldn't be in a position like this year, uh, like the national semifinals and the other New Year's Six games are December thir- uh, 29th. So that's Saturday, so you're looking ahead then to the um, Tuesday the 1st. So something like that. You know more about that than I do. What kind of challenges yeah, make, make would that present? Games. You, you could
1: make it January 3rd, 4th, something like that.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, yeah, it's, as far as the lag time that it would take. But, yeah, no, that's, that's a natural one right there. That's one of the only places... South of the good old Manson Nixon line, where you could really see them doing it because of the uh, the capacity with the dome there and everything. Uh, subsequently, uh, you you would wonder along similar I you lines. you team
1: to match up against, too, I would do. If I did that, I would go Colorado, Dallas, because I then have um, Tyler Zagan. I've got you know McKinnon, Rantanen. I, 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 I've got a lot of a lot of firepower that way. Jamie Ben, there's some there's some good
0: star power. Well, not only that, I mean, the most decorated part of the history of both teams coincided. Right around before and after the turn of the century, that was a pretty good rivalry. So, yeah. you know, that's the that's the first thing I think of when you say Colorado and Dallas, so it makes sense in that way. Yeah. You know, you've got to start thinking also, too, in and, and, and the way that uh, the league is always looking at their whole, uh, you know, a, a, a Southern strategy that Richard Nixon would be envious of here. But uh, as far as the Sun Belt and everything like that, uh, you got to think once the stadiums get done in Las Vegas and Los Angeles, uh, along similar lines, right? Doesn't that make sense?
1: Yeah, I could see Vegas. I really was, well, I didn't enjoy that one at Dodger Stadium. Watching it was kind of like painful, you think oh. with the palm trees and stuff. I, I wasn't digging that. <laughs> I think the ice was very good. Uh, but I could see Vegas, and Vegas does cool down at night. So that would, that would be good, although it would be a Raider setting, which... The Jet fan of me sort of bristles a little that it would be sure. uh, in that. But I, I can get past it. I was in Gillette Stadium, as you know. So I yes. you know, if I could do that, I certainly could pass the test for that. So I think that's good. I still would like to see a place like West Point. I mean, West Point in New York is really scenic, and it's amazing, and there's just a lot a lot of history up there. I mean, their football stadium isn't the biggest, but it still would be a fun venue. It would sort of be like the same thing that they did um, – when they did it last year in in Bethesda, I mean that you know that's yes. not the biggest place
0: either. You raise an excellent point, yeah, because the the Bethesda one a non winter classic, but an outdoor game. I know it was it was on a Saturday yes. night because I remember I was watching that with uh, my monthly poker Stadium club. Series, yes. And uh, yeah, that uh, boy, that would be especially the way these teams are doing in the standings these days. Imagine West Point. If it's Buffalo and Toronto, that would be insane.
1: That'd be good, or you go, or you go Buffalo Rangers again. Either way, or, or Rangers Islanders, if you want to, you know, do that again. Or yeah, I mean, I, I think any any of those kinds of choices are good. Or even Rangers Leafs go original six, drag the Leafs up there. Uh, that may be the best. Yeah, you know, you do something like that. So I would like that venue. I think that's a um, a nice one. Like I think this year. At Lincoln Financial for the Stadium Series will be a lot of fun. I'm I'm looking forward to some fun with that one. But I'm trying to think, you know, as far as like, you know, if you're picking out other sort of landmarky ones or ones that um, some of the other teams could sort of get involved. Which, again, unfortunately, I think we always think of, hey, what about this team and that team, but. A lot of it comes down to TV ratings and having stars, and so a lot of times we end up creating venues for teams that the league has no interest in. Unfortunately. Well, that's
0: true. That's true. Uh, remind me and our listeners who are the Flyers playing at the Link this year?
1: Uh, the Flyers. That's a good
0: question. Oh, no, the Tanglins. They're playing the Penguins. Oh, okay. Well, you know that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And that's that's one that the locals will be pretty fired up for and bearded up for and. Uh, you know, that would be a great, uh, actually, special edition of uh, It's All With Sunny in Philadelphia. They should do an episode around that. But
1: uh, No, you know what? I don't watched the show. I was at a game where I was trying to write a piece, and they were filming, like, five seconds of the show. <laughs> and so for, like, an hour to about a half, like, before the game starts, which is, like, good quiet time. Yeah. They have everybody screaming and yelling, so now I kind of hate the show because of that.
0: <laughs> the funny thing is, I immediately know the one you're talking about because I am... I won't say a completest because a completest means one time around. I think I've watched the entire series like five or six times around, so okay. <laughs> and some episodes more than that. We actually did a thing where I rated all one hundred thirty three episodes top to bottom on the show. And that was before oh this most God. this most present season. I gotta do an updated one now that they've done another season since then. But uh that's that's I did not know of your distaste for that program. That's hilarious. But Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> they're watching them tape that that moment and just <laughs> put
0: it that way. I'll, I'll laugh harder the next time I watch that episode of it. <laughs> that's, that's funny. Right. Knowing the backstory. Well, uh, you know that. I guess that's as good of a place to start as any because when you're talking about turmoil around the league early on here, yeah. and we've seen a decent amount of it, and a lot of it has fallen right in your backyard there with Philly. So whether yeah. it be that, whether it be in Chicago with Quenville, which I found to be kind of shocking. In uh, a real what-have-you-done-for-me-lately kind of a deal. When, when you look at it in Edmonton, which I guess is a little bit less surprising based on the way they tanked last year. So Hi. all around the league early on, we are seeing patience is wearing very thin in a lot of places.
1: Well, last year, you know, no coach or GM was fired right. in season. And and so, like, now this year it's it's the opposite. And so what we're seeing now is just the remnants of the post-Ed Snyder era Uh because Ron was brought in while Ed Schneider was still alive. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, Dave Scott is with Comcast, and Comcast owns the team. And so this is now the function of that. So things have changed. They want to rush the rebuild. They felt like it's taken too long, although there's a there's a hardened and true average of five years for most players to get to the NHL from the time they drafted. Mm-hmm. That is on average. That's not including the guys that, you know, Darlene's, and, you know, even Dennis Blosky gets there in a couple of years. Like, those guys are the exception, but the rule is five. And um, on this week's show for Hockey Plus for Radio we had Yarmulke Galanian on from, from Columbus, and he said his rule is for impact in the NHL, five to eight. Wow. And I think he's right, too. You know, because if you, if you really think about it, like a lot of times goalies, yeah, for a goalie to have the impact in the NHL, a lot of times they're 24 years old. Right. You go look, they're 23, 24. Uh, if you're getting a good college player, let's say forward or defenseman, you know, if he goes three years and then a year in the AHL, well, we're talking 23 then, right? Right. So, you know, that's – it is true. I mean, and some guys like Dylan Strong maybe get traded too early because he's 22. It hasn't happened for him. So now it may happen in Chicago. And, you know, so that's that's sort of where the Flyers are at Uh Chuck Fletcher was in town recently, and so he he got the first interview. Will he be the last interview? We don't know. And so that's an interesting one because he has a history. Bobby Clark hired him in Florida way back then. Right. Um, And he has a history with Joel Quenville. So does that give him the inside track now because, you know, they feel like he could call up his old buddy Joel and, you know, and get him the coach? I don't really know the answer to that. I think Quenville does want to coach this year. We heard that, you know, that's his intent. But, you know, he doesn't have to. He's getting paid $6 bucks. He could wait till next year, right? Right. So, well,
0: I, uh-huh. yeah, I was just going to say I mean, the funny thing is, and he's a heck of a lot more accomplished, but same thing with Hugh Jackson. All this whole thing of like, hey, Hugh is entitled to go work somewhere. Yeah, but he's also getting paid, and what he's what you know what he's making there is just getting subtracted out of his head coaching money that he's still getting paid. So you raise an excellent hey, point thought, about Joel Quenville; these contracts are guaranteed. Yeah, they're guaranteed I mean, contracts. Just to flip sports for just a moment. Yeah, um, I
1: might argue that about Hugh Jackson that he deserves to work again because I'm not sure he does, but I, and I think Baker Mayfield's behind me with that one. So.
0: Well, look, I don't know why he cares about it, but I'm not going to begrudge Baker Mayfield for for saying it because, uh, first and foremost, as a lifelong Browns fan, it's refreshing that he cares, and it's refreshing that he's good enough to lift a team. So I'm, I'm going to give him plenty of leeway on that. And I just see a lot of people in the media trying to make themselves relevant by ragging on Baker Mayfield. There's been a lot of clickbait this no, week, a right lot right of hot Mayfield. takes. No, 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 forward. no. Yeah. But I, I hear you on I mean, that, yeah. But I I, I, I actually agree with you. Stance on
1: it, like, hey, this guy left us, right? In team, and he's with another team, and now he's trying to be my buddy after the game, and I didn't really
0: want to go for that. Like I, I I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you on that, and the whole thing of like everybody going, "Hugh Jackson deserves to work again." Number one, not sure I agree with that. Look at the track record. Second of all,
1: yeah, how much sure he deserves to work again? I, he was horrible.
0: He's he's not making any more money by working. Hey, the money that he's making is is just getting subtracted from his Browns yeah. contract. So the whole like Crimea River, it's the same thing with Quenville. I mean, he's now Quenville. I think was was much more unjustifiably hired. Quenville, I would quite frankly, I would liken that to another Cleveland coach, uh, as I as I believe I did on your Facebook page at the time. My man Ty Lu who uh, got done dirty by Dan Gilbert. Now, what have you done for me lately? The only head coach to win a championship in Cleveland in 52 years, see you, wouldn't want to be you. And it's, the you know, for Quenville, who, again, you know, Quenville, where were the Blackhawks before he came along? Now, it's interesting. I, I, I'm just I'm going crazy making analogies with Joel Quenville and other sports, but the way that I kind of liken it, I'm going to go one better. You know who he reminds me of? Is Joe Torrey. Because when, when they – when Torrey went to the Yankees, you just kind of yawned, right? Like, who knew, right. He, who knew he had that run in him? It's the same thing with Quenville no, with the Blackhawks. I mean, he, he did make
1: the playoffs with the Braves, and I think once with the uh, Cardinals. But he you know, obviously had great players with the Yankees, so he was
0: able to do it. Right, right. And that's that's the thing with Quenville. Like, they hired Quenville, and, you know, that was the, the Red Wings were still in the division. So I was like, oh, I'm not really sweating that move that much. Well, he proved me wrong, and he had a great run there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think he would really benefit Philadelphia. But it, it's one of these things here when you talk about the developmental curve and how long it takes guys to come up, and 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 that's what leads to cycles of teams being up and down. Are we seeing when, especially when you see this year? Now Pittsburgh's already sort of getting out of somewhat of the depths of where they were, although they still have a lot of problems at, at goalie. But between them, LA and Chicago, the team that have dominated the Stanley Cups this decade. And putting over LA out of the three. That's the only one that doesn't make me throw up in my mouth a little bit to acknowledge what what they did. The other two, not so much. But, you know, scoreboard, uh, they've had it this decade. You look at last year, the rise of Winnipeg. I called it this year that Calgary was going to be up there. I don't know that any of us called that it was going to be Buffalo rising up this quickly, but you and I talked about that Uh off air. Toronto in the last year or so. Are we seeing a changing of the guard of the teams that were down early and middle part of the decade rising up, the teams that were? Where the powers kind of in the pits, or uh, LA looks like they're going to be down for a little bit now. Do Chicago and Pittsburgh, I guess, have any chance of bucking that? Uh,
1: well, Pittsburgh always does. I mean, you start Falcon right. across, and, and and when you do, and the tang, so when you do, you do still have a chance because that that does affect a fair part of the game, not you know, not enough, but a fair amount, right? Uh, I Chicago, I would have said pre trades, no way. But they got a two-for-one out of Arizona, and I think they get hit on both. And so if they do hit on both with Perlini and Dylan Strome, then i got to tell you, that, that could get them back in business. Their defense is still not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's still going to be a weak spot. But, you know, they might be able to cover enough ills. uh Heavy Camaro and you got it fixed up to the point where, you know, you got the primer paint and then that's it, right? That's all, you're out of money. You're just, that's what you're rolling with. I think, you know, they're at the point now where they had the primer paint and, you know, and they're changing everything. Mm -hmm. And and so that's, it's a little bit tricky and it's probably a lot of bit tricky. And so I can't guarantee that that's going to work. I don't know what direction exactly they're going to go in, but I think the, um, you know, with the Eagles winning last year and the 70s sort not looking good and trading for Jimmy Butler, and, you know, they play in that same building, and I think uh, Flyers management saw that and said, hmm, the Sixers were building all these years, and now they did that, but, you know, it's only building for 12 players. That's a, a little bit easier. right? I, I think that's where now the mindset is. Now, again, you know, there were things said by Dave Scott, like, hey, let's bend to the cap. Um, okay, I mean... <laughs> That's not the mark of a winner if you spend to the cap necessarily, but that's fine because Ron Hextall didn't. So if you want to be the opposite of that, fine. Um, I don't know if that, if that helps you. They are excited about the trading deadline. Okay, I mean, you do have Wayne Simmons that you could trade. That's fine. But, you know, tell everybody that you're excited about that. I'm not sure that helps the market for you. But they did. So, like, I don't know. I don't know what happens when the next guy comes in, what the philosophy is. Nobody knows what the philosophy is. Dave Hackstall, remarkably, and, and remarkably, is still there. Uh, you know, they did fire Gordon Murphy yesterday, and, and the defense was in shambles. So I, I think that that firing was just, I didn't think the firing was just for Chris Pryor, who was there for a very long time, was the assistant GM you know, the last probably four years. Um, I think that was uh, something that's going to come back and bite him because uh, he did a great job. But all that said, we don't know who's coming in, right? So we don't know who's coming in, but Dave is but there. But if, if Fletcher comes in and he makes a call to Quinville, Dave Haxtell won't be there much longer. Well,
0: so, that's true. Yeah. It's
1: really tenuous.
0: Yeah, very much so. Uh, and, uh, again, you talk about where they are in that market. Uh, if Manny Machado or uh, Bryce Harper ends up coming there uh, this uh, off season, you're looking at the Flyers being fourth in that market for a time to come. Uh, maybe fifth. I think our friend uh, Joe Stazak would say probably fifth behind Villanova basketball, and I think he'd probably well, have a point. I
1: thought he was going to count the Union. <laughs> at least he didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, could be. They could be behind Villanova basketball, but I don't think so. I think there's a lot of Flyers fans that are just a little bit upset and, and a little bit dormant, but there are some – Some shows and there's a Stump Joe station, Mike Missinelli that literally just you know defies hockey calls. He doesn't want them. He doesn't know anything about it. Even today, he's just like, look, if I retired, I wouldn't ever watch it. Like that, you know. If you're a good hockey fan, you don't want to call that guy, right? So I don't, I don't think you could always gauge the interest that way via sports talk radio. Right. But, but I do think they're going to try and make a splash of some sort, whether it be now they be going after William Nylander last minute they could be I think they're going to try and do something to sort of revive the fan base Uh, but the fans are all-in, right? Right. Excuse me. Now, the Machado thing, I'll just mention this briefly because I think it's important. Uh-huh. You know, Jimmy Rollins used to practically get run out of town for not running the ball out. Right. Um, regardless of what Machado said, in the World Series, he had a clear home run shot that just didn't go out of the park and he turned it into a single. Mm-hmm. He does that in Philly. People are going to go crazy, especially if he's making $30 million a year doing that. So, I would stay far away from Manny Machado if I were... Phillies management because of that. Bryce Harper's fine, but I did an article and I put it up on Sportsology, and I even said, if I'm the Phillies, I guess that's the guy I go for, but the problem is, Bryce Harper, like, at his age, he fastest up with 200 homers, he would be somewhere like seventh or eighth all the time. Like, it's not, he is not a phenom. Right? People just over exaggerate really what he is. Ryan Howard got there faster. Uh, I think Ralph Krenger had gotten there faster. There, there's quite a few players, and, and he's not one of them, and he's not there yet either. I think he has 194. So, you know, to me, that's a big deal. Like, I, if I'm putting that kind of money, $400 million, into a player, I would hope that he's going to be an all-timer.
0: I would give that money to Mike Trout. I really wouldn't give it to Bryce Harper. But anyhow, well, yeah. we go back to it. Well, hey, the last thing I'll say about that is Harper is, is more of an all-around player than a couple guys you name. I mean, he's way more of an all-around yeah. player than Ryan Howard ever was, that's for sure. So, yeah. you know, there, there's yeah. there's that angle of it as well. You mentioned uh, Nealander. Let's talk about that for a little bit because this is a situation yeah. you don't see every day where you've got uh, a young, uh, big-time, restricted free agent out there sitting there unsigned. I agree with you about Philly and Kovalchuk. Uh, that guy's not worth much of anything to a team like that unless you're throwing in a time machine. But since that is unlikely to occur, uh, no. They, you shouldn't want any part of Kovalchuk because he is not going to uh, save your season. But a guy like Neilander, how do you see this shaking out? I, I have a hard time seeing him sitting out for the year that is a possibility as the clock well, how is ticking is He the
1: NHL. He'll end up joining the KHL or, or Swedish Hockey League or something like that. Yeah,
0: he won't
1: sit out, sit out.
0: Right? Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, financially he will because whatever he makes there is not going to be, yeah. you know, on par. So yeah, point well taken. He's not going to be rusty sitting there eating uh, ho hos. He'll he'll be out doing something. But, uh, right. you know, in terms of the available scenarios of He's
1: not going to He's not
0: going to hit IHOP every night. No, exactly. So, you know, but, but between the possibility of him uh, taking a little overseas trip there, going back with the Leafs, uh, getting traded somewhere. Supposedly the Leafs are trying to stir up the trade talks right about now, which makes sense, right? See what's out there, see what teams are willing to give you. And, and, and right. again, they're in a situation where, you know, as much as uh, Brendan Shanahan's trying to do the whole take one for the team as though it's 98 and he's dealing with the unselfish Red Wings, you know, these right. players ain't wanting to hear that. So, it, you know, it, it's it's, it's going to be interesting.
1: Babcock has only in the last couple of days put a lot of pressure on, on Kyle Dubas by just mentioning Nylander each and every day, where he wasn't mentioning him at all. So, because, you know, Mike Babcock doesn't care about the... Um, the salary cap. Mike Babcock doesn't care about the future yeah. payroll. Mike Babcock just cares about getting the best players, so he's trying to steal that, and you know that's putting pressure too. I'll say this: I brought Philly back up with the Nylander talks because um, you know there was a, there were scouts here for a while um, from from Toronto watching, and maybe it was for Travis Sanheim, maybe it was for Shane uh maybe it was for Wayne Simmons, or two of them, and. Maybe it's like a two-for-two deal, you know, and the Flyers get somebody from, like, the Marlies. But the interesting part to me was that went dead, and it seemed like Ron Hexfield didn't want to do that. And then, you know, Ron Hexfield gets fired down. Literally the day, the next game after he is relieved of his duties, there is a Leafs scout back in the building.
2: Mm -hmm. So uh,
1: you have an owner that's willing to spend money here. He's saying he doesn't care if he spends the cap. So even though no team was previously interested in giving away Nylander eight million, what if all of a sudden the Flyers are? So then maybe you know they get the Leafs to sign him, and they do a sign and trade. It's not out of the realm of possibility, Carolina wasn't going to spend as much. So if he's going to go to Carolina, that's probably going to be off of a, a sign and trade sort of bridge deal, two or three years, and then Neilander hits the open market at some point. But it'd still be around seven million bucks, which is a little high for anybody. I mean. It really would be, but I don't know if Carolina would do that, but they might because Tom Dundon, you know, looking to make a splash too. And, you know, they have Brett Pesci and Jake Bean just got a call up there. So they have a, a, a plethora of defensemen. You know, I mentioned Justin or if I didn't. I'll mention him now. So they have a plethora of defensemen, so there's there's a lot of choices there. So, you know, that's another team. I really think he's going to get traded. I think he's going to be signed and traded. Uh, whether it's a sign-and-trade deal, whether you know, however they term it and do it, that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, is there a chance he sits out? Yes, there's definitely a chance, and then he goes to either the KHL or the Shookish Hockey League. But, but even so, let's say he even goes back to the Leafs last minute. They're not getting him for weeks. He's literally skating with, like, a finished junior team right now. So he would have to leave there, come back here, pass his physical, and then go on a conditioning assignment for at least a couple of games, he would have to get a couple of games in and then join the Leafs wherever they are so or any other team that he joins. So you're still looking weeks away from him playing in the NHL, even if it you know happens on or before Saturday. But it's a big deal. It's funny because I did call the fact that this would be lengthy. I know some people didn't believe it, maybe because the Leafs you know, have a lot of money and they have a great team. But we all forget, or some forget, that Michael Nylander used to do this all the time with his contract. Michael Nylander's the dad, that is, your son. that is his son, the son's only 22 years old, the dad acts like an agent, says he's an agent. I don't know if he's really a certified agent, but he's certainly his advisor. Uh, and, you know, again, you go think about what you used to be, you know, be like when you were 22 with your dad. And if your dad has already been there before and is maybe saying to you, don't blink here, you're going to win this. Yeah, it could all just blow up. And then Michael Nylander just, you know, did his son a disservice, which would be the first time a dad did that to their son, who felt like they knew more than, you know, the agents or the teams, because he's a young player, he's still a kid.
0: True, yes, but... You know, the one thing you say is that, you know, taking a while to get in there or whatever, I do see the flip side of the coin. That's a
1: long word, sorry.
0: Well, you know, but no. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm going to reference uh, you know, one of the things I love talking about again, which I did a minute ago, the 98 Red Wings, because I think back to, in a somewhat similar situation, I'll tell you what, man, in the playoffs, Sergei Fedorov was still skating like he was shot out of a cannon. So it can benefit you in the long haul. If this Toronto team is yeah. looking to go on any kind of a playoff run, Those fresh legs may be something they're really appreciating right around then. I will say this also, too, in terms of what you had said uh, about uh, the message that Babcock sent. As a longtime both Cavs and Red Wings fan, I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg. I don't know if Mike Babcock, as far as sending messages through the media, I don't know if Mike Babcock steals a page out of LeBron's book or LeBron steals a page out of Mike Babcock's book, but uh, those guys should teach university courses on sending messages through the media because... They're both par excellence at that. By the way, on a similar note here, yeah, I think
1: about it. He's the, he's, the, he's the highest paid coach. Yeah. With like an ironclad deal. Yeah. Like he feels pretty
0: thick. Yeah, yeah. They, they both uh, deal from uh, the, the sense of security that, uh, again, you, you could say yeah. that they've earned off of their track record, but they certainly throw yeah. it around an awful lot. And, uh, I will say too. I do have a wonderful marketing idea. Uh, it, it'll it'll mostly sell around the North Coast these days. I think uh, a T-shirt that says Cavs and Red Wings fan, please be nicer to me than I was to you." Oh,
1: <laughs> I still think you should be nicer to Keith Hernandez, but that's just me. <laughs>
0: well, and I, you know, I did have to revisit. Keith
1: did apologize this year. I told you he did for Cleveland. You know, on one broadcast, he said, "Yeah, it didn't work out." Cleveland,
0: but like he did say that. Well, I would have preferred that he outright admitted to stealing money, but okay, that's, a, that's part way. I will say, too, by the way, I used to lump him in uh, with the other guy that he does the Just for Men commercials with Walt Frazier, but oh I believe Cl- Clyde. Clyde did give us a little more than I thought. I mean, I was like a real, real he little did. kid you at you the time. You have remember, yeah. Clyde
1: played a long time under a lot of pressure, and he never missed games. Right. By the time you got Clyde... It was sort of like getting, right. um, uh, let's see, a good guy, uh, like O.J. Simpson in San Francisco with a little bit more tread on that tire.
0: Okay. Uh, are, are we talking roughly equivalent to, I think it was like in 87 when the Tribe got Phil Necro and Steve Carlton? Are we talking somewhat yeah. similar? Okay.
1: All right. Yeah, I mean, Clyde could still dish it. He wasn't as fast. He, you know, he was never going to turn the ball over and he was always smart. He wasn't going to be able to play the big minutes that he used to. But he was still a good defensive
0: player, too. He always was. Yeah, yeah, he was, and like I said, I did have to revisit after watching some old Cavs footage on YouTube okay. uh, on that uh, something I'm to. Glad ad- you at least
1: took quiet out of that group. Man.
0: Well, I, I I wasn't I wasn't going out of my way to do that, but I was watching old Cavs stuff, and I just couldn't help but notice that he didn't look like as big of a stiff as I remembered or heard that he was. So I was like, okay, I will reconsider on that. Uh, but uh, as far as reconsidering, uh, there might be some who were prematurely shoveling dirt on uh, the two teams uh, last playing for the Cup uh, in June, the two last teams standing, D.C. and Vegas, respectively. Both have been doing a yep. little bit better recently. Interesting to me, I have no idea what the methodology is for Sportsline. They have uh, Washington, and I can understand this, they have Washington projected at a ninety. Uh, 99.5% chance of making the playoffs. I guess that makes sense. Interesting that in the Pacific, which is super jammed up, they still have yes. Vegas at the highest odds, even though they're like in fourth place at the moment. A 90.1% chance of making the postseason. I don't know how much I agree with that, because I think that, that race could be going among a number of teams all year long. They only have Vancouver. Yeah, they have Vancouver at yeah, 3.4% despite being three or two points back of them presently. I would kind of yeah. concur... A little bit, though. I kind of see where they're going because Vancouver was at an unsustainable start, to be sure. But uh... right,
1: and yeah, if you look at it, like worst place to be, like when we talked about the Flyers, is to be like six or six or eight points out of the playoffs and near the bottom in in, in the conference. Right, that's never a good place to be. Right. But that's where we are in, in, in the National Hockey League when you have the loser point. So there's nothing you could really do about that. Uh, I think the. Uh, the Capitals would be fine. I'm not worried about the Capitals. You knew they'd get off to a slow start, all that Wilson awesome stuff. They're starting to pick up steam. They will continue to pick up steam. They'll be around. Now, Vegas, I did say I think they would make the playoffs, but they are a bubble team, and I figure they're going to take one of the bottom slots because I knew they were going to, you know, have a trouble at the beginning of the year. They, uh, you know, they lost their defenseman to Pete and Nate Schmidt, and so there was that. Uh General, like, well, they're not going to be as good as last year because that was just everybody had an edge to them. Carlson wasn't going to shoot for 43 goals and some crazy 25% shooting percentage that he had, like that was, or, or even higher than that, that was not sustainable. So clearly, and that's definitely slowed down. All those things, some injuries, Marc Andre Fleury not being what he was last year, which we've seen Berg in his little later years go up and down a bit. All that taken into consideration, and the fact that the Pacific is jammed. So, now Stastny's out, he's been out for a while. So, all those things, I think they're going to struggle to make it in. 90% seems high.
0: Yeah, and, you know, playoff bubble team is what I said coming into the year. And, uh, again, the interesting thing is that a you know, playoff bubble team, I mean, that would have seemed like an insane ceiling for year one, <laughs> and yet they pushed I far know. beyond it. So... You know, it's one of these things again, where...
1: teams gave them players. They Look at Alex Tuck. Alex yeah. Tuck is is tremendous. Minnesota gave them Alex Tuck to stay away from their defenseman. Okay, but <laughs> Alex Tuck is a great player. Right. He's a really great young player. Like, they just got too many players for free. Seattle's not going to be so lucky.
0: No, that's true. That's true. And that's, uh, b- believe me, again, you know, I, boy, I... For for Cleveland not having an NHL team, I've sure found a lot of ways to sneak in self pity tonight. I'll do it one more time. It could be the you same want, I kind mean, of thing. Talk,
1: you don't want to go Cleveland. <laughs> to <Aaron's
0: talk. laughs> a fine heritage that was uh, for all of the two years that we were in the NHL there. I do have a lot of uh, Calder Cups though, uh, as as has been pointed out over the years. We do have a lot of those from the Crusaders and and whatnot, but. Yeah. It is somewhat similar to the worst thing that could have happened to the 99 Browns was the '96 success of both Carolina and Jacksonville. So I think Seattle had to be looking at that with Vegas just cringing because the league certainly, and again, believe me, it's not like the Browns did anything with what they had. I'm not letting the Al Werner regime off the hook. But the league basically screwed them after being potentially overly generous to the other two teams. If I'm Seattle, I had to be cringing watching what happened with Vegas last year.
1: Also, if you want to be a real Browns fan, which I think you are, mm-hmm. their drafting's been awful up until this year. just right. awful.
0: Although, this year is uh, stirring up memories of the class of 78 with Clay Matthews, Ozzie Newsome, etc. This year, they seem to have right. done an awful lot well. And Nick No, Chub, and
1: that's why I stopped. If you notice, know, I stopped at that line. But how many quarterbacks have they passed up in the last couple
0: of years? Oh, I think even outside of Cleveland, people are familiar with the meme with all the jerseys being crossed out and everything like that. So yeah, it seems that we have stopped that streak. Would that you guys were, were, were so lucky. I'll tell you this. I was right about Sam Darnold, but I was also right that you guys might ruin Sam Darnold. I don't hold him responsible for much of any of that.
1: No, I mean, again, I, I did want him to start him right away. They, You know, they they did uh, I do think it was good that he missed the Patriots, though. We'll see what he does this week. And there is talent there. There's no question there's some talent there. But there's no question that you know he needs a better offensive line and needs a little fostering. Uh, McCown aside, which I'm sure he's a great guy to talk to, we'll see about you know next year. I do think he could be better than Chad Pennington, though. I don't know. You know, He's not going to be Joe Namath, but I think he's going to be better than Pennington. And if he reaches Kenneth Ryan status or even a little higher, that's fine because, again, people forget Ken O'Brien led the league in passing one year with Dan Marino. He, he, he certainly could throw a lot of touchdowns, but he, you know, got sacked in an ordinary too many times in his career, too, and so that shortened it a bit with a bad shoulder, but he had some really good years.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and I think I think Darnold's uh, still got a very, very high ceiling and Uh, based on whatever happens, I think got a chance to be very good. I'm going to bring it around to this here uh, in in terms of looking at the teams in the league. And we talked about a little bit of the changing of the guard and the things that have been happening. And part of that ties into the whole Canadian issue because cyclically for a long period of time there, there were few, if any, Canadian teams that were challenging to end that Stanley Cup drought that has been going on and on. I picked uh, for my preseason prediction this year, Uh, Winnipeg over Tampa in the finals, so I picked the drought to end. But as you're looking at the standings now, uh, you've got Calgary in the mix. I I thought Calgary would come back strongly this year, and they have. So you've got them in the mix. Obviously, everybody's always going to talk about Toronto. Montreal is pretty much the early season mirage. I thought they'd be and that they often are. So you're looking at two, maybe three teams that have a strong chance to make it there. If it's Toronto-Winnipeg, uh, you, you might be seeing NBC Sports executives hanging themselves over the ratings, but up north yep. uh, that would be the wildest thing uh, ever, is if one of those two teams uh, well, basically, if they were battling to be the team that was going to end the drought but, uh, you know, I, I still say, and, you know, Winnipeg, uh, they're they're in the toughest division, uh, they're in a strong dogfight right now just Yeah, they've to make been a, a up and
1: down so far, I mean, they haven't been
0: great right now Right, but I mean, I, I still, I, you know, I love their chance of sports line for what it's worth. has still got them as a 93.5% chance of making the playoffs.
1: Oh, they're making the playoffs. I yeah. Mean, that's, you, know, you don't need sports line for that. Oh, I know.
0: I know. Here's, here's what's funny. This doesn't all add up because they're saying Nashville 97-3. That sounds about right. Colorado right. 88-5. Minnesota 89-7. So there's your four teams, right? Well, you also got well, Dan.
1: All right, so two things there. Yeah. Two things there. How in the world can Colorado only be 88.5 when they have the best line in hockey and getting great goaltending and good defense? But that's just silly. Um, the Minnesota one, I am going to take full credit for because preseason, I picked them to come out of the West. I'm just letting you know that.
0: Interesting. Okay. Well, here's what's funny. I'm looking at it, and I'm going, they got Dallas at 58.9%. So they actually have five teams in the Central Uh, with a a 58% or better chance of making the playoffs. Now, when you look at the mediocrity that is the Pacific Division, along a good part of it anyways, I guess that makes sense. But it's fascinating that they have those five teams there. But regardless, yeah, Winnipeg, whether it's four teams, whether it's five, going to be one of them. Toronto making it in the East. I still think Calgary makes it in the West. I'm going to stay with that prediction. And again, could be a uh, Calgary-Winnipeg uh, Western Conference final. Stranger things have happened, so I say better than fifty-fifty chance. Uh, it's a Canadian team this year. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'm going to go under fifty, but I because I have I have you know Minnesota coming out of the West. Okay, so that's going to eliminate a fair amount. I do think the Leafs' their defense isn't really good enough, so they don't have a great shot. Minnesota, uh, Minnesota. Montreal is not going to do it, so. Unless I'm wrong about Minnesota and they lose to someone like Calgary or someone like that along the way, I give them—I give it a 40% chance. i, I think it, it could be Tampa and Minnesota. Like right now, if you put a gun to my head, that's what I'm going to tell you. And so we'll see. I mean, that's you know that's what, what I'm looking at.
0: Fascinating. Okay, yeah, I'm going to stay with uh, Winnipeg over Tampa. I will stay with that as my prediction uh, for the year. So. We will see how that uh, pans out, but uh, a pleasure as always, uh, Russ, having you on. Uh, of Thank course, you. Uh, everything that you've always got going on with Sportsology, with the Hockey Prospects Show on X, uh, Sirius XM Radio, uh, always uh, got books going. Uh, what's what's your next thing going to be with the books? Well, do you
1: still want to sell
0: pioneers of baseball? That so too, yes. Let
1: people know okay. that that's that's still out there for the holidays. They can go to Amazon or any other a lot of other places online and and get that, or you could DM me on, at Sportsology on Twitter, and you know I could sell you a signed copy. Uh, it's a college hockey book. We don't even have a title for it yet, but that'll come, but it's going to be like a collection of great college hockey stories. So that's the, uh, the one we're
0: working on now. Excellent, excellent. I was at my first game in quite a long time. It was about a year or two ago. I uh, went up with a buddy of mine who's an alum uh, to Bowling Green and watched uh, a very spirited uh, Bowling Green-Ohio State game. Uh, yeah, and, uh, Ohio State's a good team I mean, last year they were a great team, actually Yeah, yeah. well, you know, and uh, BG as well I mean, they uh, it's, it's been a while to uh, crack the tournament Haven't done it in a while But uh, perennially yeah. on the bubble And, uh, you know, it's my mom's alma mater So I have a soft spot And uh, I think there's, uh, there's a decent chance That drought's going to end in the next year or so As far as uh, making the tournament I look forward to getting back up there And Watching some good hockey. Of course, uh, the Harvard on the hockey, my alma mater, Ohio University, always way up there in the world of club hockey. I can't let this go by without a plug for those guys. Uh, past national champions, a perennial powerhouse on the club hockey ice. I used to cover that nice. for the uh, school newspaper back in the day. Back uh, back from, nice. from up in that. the bird's nest. Oh yeah, yeah. I I, I used to love did it. You I used to a, love did it. you have a pencil in
1: your ear? And, uh... <laughs>
0: I had a little fedora that had a card that said press on it. (laughs) I went all the way. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, college hockey, that's excellent. I look forward to that. And, yes, Pioneers of Baseball, uh, go read it, uh, if only for, you know, me being a homer, if only for the excellent little blurb in there about Napoleon Lajouet of my Cleveland Indians. Uh, And uh, an excellent, excellent read. Uh, He's a forgotten
1: guy in, in a lot of ways. I mean, He's not forgotten because he's in the Hall of Fame, but he doesn't get brought up like during broadcasts that much. And I don't know if it's because he's French or it's just so long ago, but this guy was an amazing player. He really was.
0: Well, he, he doesn't even get brought up in town here. I only know about him because I'm a baseball nerd. You're not going to get anybody, even in Cleveland, to have any kind of sense of... Uh, who he was. I mean, if he played for the Browns or something, I suppose it would be a different story. But, yeah, anything early ni- or early 20th century Cleveland Indians, nah, people are not going to really uh, know that off know, the top of their head. They
2: want
1: to talk about Omar Rizkow and, you know.
0: Should Omar be it, in the Hall of Fame? Better. Yeah, that's what people want to talk about. And I know. All of that good kind of Can't stuff. Do it,
1: sorry. Yeah. Thumbs
0: down. Hey, I, I love Omar, too, but I'm with you on that. you got to be you – know, I'm the guy who's always screeched about uh, can we – can we rip Rabbit Moranville's plaque out of the Hall of Fame? What was he like a two fifty eight lifetime hitter? I mean, you yeah. know, that's not not to hate on the guy personally, but yeah, you got to be a two dimensional player, in my estimation, with the plate being maybe the predominant dimension of the two. And Omar was, you know, respectable, but respectable is not Hall of Fame. So I right. agree with you. But Victor uh,
1: Martinez won't get there either. But nobody's
0: expecting that. No, nobody's expecting that. A a fine player. Uh, A really good player. really good player. Somebody I have a soft spot for. Wish him all the best in his retirement. And, uh, again, uh, wish you all the best in your continuing coverage of hockey, baseball, and everything in between, my man. Thank you so much for coming back on. Always, always. Appreciate it. Thank you very much, Russ. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge mini episode number 1067.
2: As we bring the show to a close, we would like to extend our deepest gratitude to NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox, all clear channel affiliates, TNT, TBS, USA, UPN, Deadspin.com, YouTube.com, YTMND.com, MySpace.com, various blogs, Fox News, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, iamboard.com, billboard.com, google.com, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, NBA TV, NFL Network, Sports Time Ohio, Athlon Magazine, Comedy Central, Cartoon Network, The Boomerang Channel, QVC, BET, The Spice Channel, Steno Notebooks, Manwich, Papermate Office Supplies, Waitresses, Strippers, Bartenders, Garbage Men, Janitors, Microwave Popcorn, The Writers of The Office, the Scrubs, Entourage, My Name is Earl, Oz, Metalocalypse, and The Boondocks, Aquafina, and The Periodic Table of Elements.